This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're rooting our way into episode number five. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen Burgess with the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. And today I'm excited to tell you Happy New Year. That's right, it's a brand new year and what a great year it's going to be. I'm going to get started with a few announcements and then we're going to jump right into things today. I noticed on the last podcast that we had a lot of creaks and cracks and I actually think that's the chair that I was sitting in. So I'm bringing you this podcast from a birth ball. We're not going to talk about birth balls in depth today, but on the next episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, you can expect to hear a lot about them and why they're so wonderful during pregnancy, childbirth, and can even be helpful once baby arrives. I also got some great feedback from a listener letting me know that uh, he really loves the show, but he's a daddy, so could I please talk to daddies too? And I want to say I'm sorry for being a little bit mommy-centric, and I'm going to try and make sure that I include you daddies too, and I really appreciate you listening to the show. Let's go ahead and get started. Baby basics. These are things that many new parents wonder about and can feel intimidating, especially since so many of us end up with our own baby, not really having had much interaction with newborns before. We don't really see a lot of babies anymore because large families and lots of babies aren't as common. Some of us may have been babysitters for older infants or toddlers, but the newborn period is somewhat mysterious, so let's cover some basics there. First, picking up your baby. How do you safely pick up one of those little newborns? They seem so fragile. Let me assure you, newborn babies, yes, even newborn babies are pretty sturdy, The most important thing to do is to support their head, especially if you have a smaller or a weaker baby. Some babies are born with really great neck tone, but even those babies need head support. So when you go to pick up your baby, picture your baby lying on his or her back. You place one of your hands behind your baby's head or neck, spreading your palm so that the baby's head is kind of cradled between your thumb and forefinger, and that gives your baby a lot of support to the head. Then you place your underhand, other hand under the baby's diaper area and you just lift your baby up so you have your baby's bottom firmly cupped in your hand and your baby's head is firmly cupped in the other hand. And then you can just lift baby up to your shoulder or you can lift baby up and tuck him or her in the crook of your arm whatever position you decide you want to carry baby in. But you start off from that nice, safe safe position where baby's head is well supported. Remember, if you're really nervous about this, don't hesitate to ask your nurse or your midwife to show you how to pick up your baby and different holds that are safe for your baby. They're always happy to teach new parents. What about hiccups? I had to put this in here because with my first baby, this is the very first thing that I looked up in the baby book was, what do I do about hiccups? Are they normal? Now my first baby had spent amazing amounts of time in the womb hiccuping and now at age 11, she still spends tons of time hiccuping. I've never met somebody who hiccups so much. But sure enough, in the first few days, She was hiccuping tons, and I looked it up in the baby book. Hiccups are totally normal. And the moral of the story is that a good baby book can be very helpful for all these little random questions that you have, like the hiccups. I recommend the Sears book, which is called The Baby Book. It's an almost encyclopedic book that could possibly seem overwhelming. It's not really meant to be a cover-to-cover read. It's much better as a reference, but it's very solid, um, very up-to-date medically, and has just overall good parenting advice from a doctor and family who are seasoned parents themselves, not just a pediatrician. So a very good resource. I'll link to it in the show notes for you. Cord care. How do you take care of baby's cord? I've gotten questions about this a few times recently. Most of them are asking, do I need to use alcohol on the cord? 
the basics of cord care are you can use or you should use a cotton swab brand name that a lot of us know is a q-tip use a cotton swab to clean all around the cord stump and in the creases around there while you're cleaning change the swabs frequently until they're coming away clean so as soon as one gets grungy dump that one and get a clean one or flip it over use the clean end then dump that one and get a clean one now you can use alcohol if you wish some doctors still recommend alcohol others don't recommend alcohol uh, you can use it if you want and that's just normal rubbing alcohol that you get at the drugstore or you can just use water I would recommend if you want to use water that you use a purified water like a, a distilled water or some other bottle purified water you can just buy a small bottle and have it close by for when you get home and you're cleaning your baby's cord and then just pour a little bit of that into a disposable cup or into a little bowl and use that 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 makes sure that the water is clean and isn't introducing any germs but water is just fine and this is how I've personally treated all of my baby's cords so you can use alcohol if you want rubbing alcohol or you can just use water I would recommend using a purified or distilled water if you're gonna do that and then some midwives also will recommend an herbal cord care usually a golden seal powder and that's sprinkled onto the cord you can use that if you want to I've never used that I'm planning to try that with the baby that we're waiting on right now but my baby's cords have always dried and fallen off very quickly so just regular care every time you change the diaper you can check the cord and see how that's doing a little bit of blood on the cotton swab when the baby's cord is about to fall off is normal that's not something to get worried about remember to fold your baby's diapers away from the cord so some disposable diapers have a cutout some cloth diapers newborn diapers have a snap down but even if your diaper doesn't you can just fold a disposable down a cloth diaper you can fold down and use a pin or snappy to move it out of the way or if it's a pocket diaper you can usually fold that down or you can twist the back tabs or the tabs on the diaper which will lower the rise of the diaper that means how high it comes up on baby and that keeps it away from his or her cord while that's drying up once the belly button um, the cords fallen away that'll expose your belly button baby's belly button and once that's there you can just wash that like normal in the bath if you keep seeing a little droplet of blood or two for a couple of days that's normal but if there's persistent oozing then you need to call your baby's pediatrician and get that checked out sometimes that could indicate a hernia that they'll usually just want to watch they won't do anything about it because those things usually resolve on their own but it is something to be aware of and tends to be more common in baby boys how do you know what this brand new little creature needs babies cry because they need something especially newborns they don't really have the consciousness to say I'm gonna cry just to get some attention now yes an older baby gets clever but a newborn cries because he or she needs something what might your baby need your baby may be hungry your baby may need a burp your baby may need a change or here's a revolutionary one your baby may be fussing and crying because he or she needs to go and doesn't want to go in the diaper your baby may be too hot or too cold and there may be something causing your baby pain usually this is an external thing for instance a little hair has gotten wrapped around your baby's finger or toe especially if you or your partner has long hair check for this every time you are dressing your baby make sure that there's no hairs wrapped around little fingers or little toes uh, on boys make sure there's no hair wrapped around little penises sometimes that happens and of course it, you can imagine that it's painful there are different cues that you can look for and we're gonna talk in a few minutes in even more depth about what hunger cues look like potty cues uh, usually the baby isn't gonna be consoled because you offer a feed and your baby may grunt or squirm or just seem uncomfortable and the the truth of the matter is is just like animal babies human babies are born with the instinct not to soil their nest so if you check the diaper and it's dry and clean and your baby is squirming and grunting and uncomfortable and refusing a feed 
there's a chance that your baby may need to go potty. That's where elimination communication comes in and you can just try holding your baby over a little bowl or over the sink and making a cue sound. Normally that's something like pss, pss, or something similar and let your baby go. We're going to talk about this more in a minute too. So check for hunger, check for burps. If baby's got gas, burps might be what's causing the pain and that will work. You will quickly, quickly be able to figure out, okay, this cry means this, or this squirming and discomfort means this. Usually the things that are really confusing are the things like little hairs wrapped around little fingers or toes because they're not as obvious. So if nothing you're doing is comforting your baby, check for that and check to make sure your baby isn't over or underdressed. What do you do if baby keeps crying after you've checked all these things? Well, then it's time to just use baby soothing techniques because sometimes babies do need help just to calm down. And then swaddling and uh, doing the five S's that we talked about in a previous Birth Baby and Life episode, which is Birth Baby and Life episode two. You can get to that by going to birthbabyandlife.com slash 002. That's the numerals birthbabyandlife.com slash 002. Those techniques are really good to use once you've made sure that all of baby's basic needs are taken care of. Swaddle baby, rock baby, you can use shushing, sucking, but there's a specific order to do it in. So if you've got a grumpy baby or you're uh, pregnant now and expecting your baby and you're wanting to be prepared for how to soothe your baby, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode. How do I know if I have a sick baby? Here's some signs that your baby may be sick. First, look for dehydration signs. These are some signs of dehydration. Your baby's soft spots, which your baby has one smaller one towards the front and one larger one towards the back. Those soft soft spots may look sunken in if your baby is sick. Low urine output, so decreased amount of peeing from what your baby usually does. Diarrhea, which is when you look at the diaper and you may see just a wet ring, but you don't see any formed bowel movement. Now, a breastfed baby has a very loose stool, but it, there's definitely texture to it. It's kind of mustardy. The If you only see a wet ring in either a formula-fed or breastfed baby, that could be diarrhea. No tears when crying, if baby's eyes are sunken in, and if your baby can't keep any milk or water down. Those are all dehydration signs, and those can definitely be signs of a sick baby. Other signs are if your baby seems very lethargic. It's a little bit harder to tell in the newborn period because babies are so sleepy anyways, but if baby just doesn't seem to be having any alert periods, If your baby has a fever of 101 or more, and usually doctors want you to take that uh, temperature rectally. If your baby is crying completely inconsolably, uh, if your baby is not crying at all, or if your baby is not at all responsive to your touch, these could all be signs of a sick baby and you should call your pediatrician or family doctor. Let's go over some feeding basics now. I said we'd talk about hunger signs. So here are some hunger signs for your baby. Crying could be a hunger sign, but usually your baby will begin to indicate hunger much, much sooner than they begin to cry. Crying is kind of a last resort. And you'll learn to pick up on these cues. Don't feel bad if you don't notice them in the first couple of days, but you will begin to pick up on these other, I guess, more subtle cues. If your baby is rooting around, that's a really good hunger cue. What that looks like is that your baby is kind of moving, and of course a newborn doesn't have great head control, but you'll see that little head kind of moving a bit. Your baby may almost look like he or she is sniffing around like a little puppy. They may make sucking motions with their mouth, little fish lips, and while they're bobbing their head around, that's a really good good sign that your baby is hungry. Your baby may also lift up his or her hands and start chewing or sucking on them or attempting to suck on whatever is nearby. If it happens to be your elbow or daddy's chest, then baby may suck on that. 
And once your baby gets a little bit better head control, and some newborns right away, they'll bounce their heads back and forth up against whatever surface they're up against. So if it's your chest daddy, then you'll see baby bounce his or her head back and forth up against your chest. It's kind of amusing to watch. But that's that they're almost looking, I think, for uh, a breast to latch onto or a nipple to latch onto. So they start bobbing their heads around looking for that. And it's kind of cute, but it's an early hunger sign. So if you see those little fists coming up and little fish lips and babies seeming to move his or her head around searching for something, those are all hunger cues. How long should you feed your baby? If you're nursing, then it, your baby can usually empty the breast. A healthy full-term newborn who's efficiently suckling can empty the breast within about 7 to 10 minutes. So a feeding on one side, you want to give baby a little bit more time than that. That's just the efficiency factor there. But give your baby 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so per side. Then I would recommend that you burp your baby and change your baby and then nurse on the other side. This routine can help your baby settle between breasts. It makes sure that there's no gas before your baby goes to the next breast, causing an air bubble that takes up space in baby's tummy. And your baby is also freshly changed, or if you're doing EC, freshly pottied. And then you can nurse on the other breast, and if baby falls asleep, you don't have to worry about a dirty diaper or a wet diaper or baby needing to go potty. When your baby is done nursing and it's time to unlatch your baby, make sure that you slip a pinky finger, a clean finger in, and break the baby's latch. Don't just pull baby off of your breast because there is actual suction created there and it's painful and damaging to your tissues just to pop baby off. You want to break the latch. So you can expect a feeding to take anywhere from probably 30 to 40 minutes, especially as you're both getting started with everything. How often should you feed your baby? For a breastfed baby, you're going to usually, the, the given recommendation is every three hours, and that's from the start of one nursing session to the start of the next. That's the general recommendation. Four to five hours overnight is usually the general recommendation. But you really can't overfeed your baby, so you should nurse your baby on demand. If your baby is being formula fed, then you may find yourself uh, on a longer feeding schedule because formula keeps them fuller longer, so maybe every four hours or so. But even now, doctors recommend that you formula feed on demand. Some moms wonder about positioning your baby. Now, if you're formula feeding or bottle feeding your baby, you're probably going to hold your baby cradled in your arm. But what about breastfeeding? There are so many different positions, it can almost seem overwhelming. But again, the most commonly seen position is cradling your baby in your arm and having baby supported by a pillow or a nursing pillow. This is a very instinctive position where mom is holding the baby close and cuddling her and it's just a really good position to enjoy with baby. Side lying is also an excellent position to learn. Many moms don't learn the side lying nursing position and I think that that's a disadvantage because you can really get a lot of rest and catch up on a lot of rest with your baby in a side lying position. So I would take the time to learn that. And this early newborn period is a great time when you're relaxing in bed and have baby beside you. You can experiment with a sideline position. I want you to also consider relaxed positions. When we see breastfeeding positions in books and in magazines, we often see positions where mom is stark upright. She may have a pillow behind her supporting her. Baby is lifted up to the level of the breasts with a nursing pillow, maybe other pillows, maybe rolled towels are helping support everything. And those can be good positions, but I also want you to consider relaxed positions. This is an, an, a new old idea, kind of an instinctive idea that's fallen out of favor with the more rigid breastfeeding instruction that we have now. And I think that all of that instruction and all of that information is good and wonderful. But a relaxed position can feel more intuitive to mom 
and it may have actual biological, physiological things built into it that help baby to nurse better, help mom's milk to latch, or help mom's milk to let down, excuse me. So in a relaxed position, mom is relaxed. She's actually leaning back. So maybe you, mom, are on the couch and you're leaning back on lying long ways along the couch. You're leaning back into the arm of the couch and baby is on your chest or you're kind of semi-propped up with pillows in bed and but you're still leaning back. You're relaxed. And then your baby, rather than being across your body like in the cradle hold, baby in these relaxed positions is often um, lying along mom's body lengthwise. So your baby's head is up facing the same direction as your head and your baby's feet are down to your feet. I hope that makes sense rather than your baby's head being on one side and your baby's feet being on the other. Rather your baby is in a more upright position with his or her tummy to your tummy and then baby's head at the level of your breast. In this position there may actually be physiological factors at work where when your baby's pressed against you like that the the baby has increased reflexes to to root and latch onto the breast his or herself and mom's milk may let down earlier because there's a lot of physiological things at play this is uh, being pioneered and, and it's called biological nurturing by the woman who's kind of pioneering this I wouldn't say movement, but rather this exploration of a more relaxed, laid-back, she calls it a mother-led type of breastfeeding. Suzanne Colson is the researcher who's looking into this, and her website is biologicalnurturing.com. I'll also put that into the show notes. It's really fascinating. She has some videos and some articles and things on the site to take a look at, uh, just to look at her theories of perhaps, like I said, this new old fashion of breastfeeding, where maybe mothers have always traditionally been a little bit more relaxed rather than the rigid positions that are often taught today. So that's something to consider when you consider positioning your baby. Consider that you can take a relaxed, comfortable position, and there may be biological advantages for your baby with that. Where do you get help if you need help with breastfeeding? As I said, we're super fortunate because there's a lot of support for breastfeeding out there now. You can get help from La Leche League International. They have leaders in almost every country. And you can just look up, you can go to La Leche League International's website, which I believe is LLLI.org. I'll look it up for sure and put it in the show notes. But you can go to La Leche League's website and you can look up a leader by your area or region of the world. These are moms who have a little bit of extra training. They often have a lot of experience working with other moms. They've heard of and seen a lot of situations. Usually there are La Leche League meetings where you can get help from the leader and from experienced moms at the meeting. It's just a very supportive environment and very good for you if you're struggling with breastfeeding or if you just want support with breastfeeding. Other options, a lactation consultant is a great option. Many hospitals have a lactation consultant on staff who can come and help you in the hospital, and you can make an appointment with her after you're discharged from the hospital or if you've had your baby at home or at a birth center. Usually these services are still available to you. Sometimes lactation consultants lead a support group too, so you can go to one of these support groups and get help from them. If you're having problems nursing, don't hesitate to call a La Leche League leader or call your lactation consultant or call your midwife because they usually have some resources that can help you make sure that you get nursing off to a good start with your baby. How do you burp your baby? Your baby will probably need to be burped regardless of whether your baby is breastfed or bottle fed. There are three different positions that you can burp your baby in. The first is the upright position. So just like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you lift baby up, giving that head support, other hand firmly cupped in the diaper area. Bring baby up to your chest. You can have your burp cloth over your shoulder. And then pat your baby's back directly over the diaper area. The next position, which is actually my favorite position to burp babies in, I find that it works the best, is having your baby sitting up on your lap. 
When you do this, you probably want to put a burp cloth over your lap and <laughs> put baby on your lap. Baby will be facing your side, one side or the other. And you cup your baby's head under, under his or her chin between your thumb and forefinger. So your hand is making the same cupping motion as when you pick your baby up. And essentially your baby's head is just resting on that soft fold of skin between your thumb and, and forefinger. And they look kind of funny. They look kind of like little bulldogs all squished up resting on your hand. But, but it's perfectly safe for them. And you're really supporting them with that hand. You may want to put a burp cloth over your arm or over your hand because if they do spit up then you want something there to catch that and then again you pat just over the diaper area on baby's back with your other hand so you're probably gonna hold baby um, the supporting hand will be your non-dominant hand and then your dominant hand will be the hand that's patting baby's back just because you're more coordinated with your dominant hand this is my favorite position, like I said, to burp a baby, and I found it to be the most effective. The third position you can use, again, have a burp cloth on your lap, is to have baby laying across your lap, and your baby is actually on his or her belly, and then your baby's head is facing out, away from your body, so out towards the room, and then you pat baby at the same place on their back, just over the diaper area. If you're nursing your baby, burp between each side of the breast. And uh, if you're bottle feeding your baby, you'll notice that your baby is squiggling or squirming. If you notice this during a feed, that's the time to take your baby off the bottle and burp your baby. And you can try burping for about two to three minutes. If you've tried for that long and there's nothing coming up, then chances are your baby doesn't have a burp. Let's move into changing babies now. Pee and poop frequency. What's normal? This is a question that many new parents have. For a breastfed baby, it's very normal for your baby to poop after every feeding. But it's also normal for it to be less frequent. Pooping during a feeding is also very common. So breastfed babies tend to poop a lot. And we're going to talk about talk more about poop in just a minute. I know, you're a parent, so poop becomes an extremely fascinating topic. But a breastfed baby usually poops after every feeding or relatively frequently. You can expect about 8 to 10 very wet cloth diapers, 4 to 5 heavy, heavily wet disposable diapers. That's normal for your baby. That shows that he or she is getting plenty of milk. Now... Note that in the first few days of your baby's life, your baby won't have this much output. So on the first day, just one wet and dirty diaper, and the dirty diaper will be meconium, which we'll talk about more in a minute. That's very normal on the first day. And they'll increase in frequency over a few days. And as your milk comes in, remember if you're breastfeeding in the first two to three days your baby is really just getting colostrum which gradually your milk comes in and and it mixes with the colostrum so in those first few days the baby won't be outputting as much and that's normal but you want to your baby you want your baby to move towards this eight to ten wet cloth diapers or four to five disposables and frequent bowel movements if your baby is being fed formula then you can expect probably one to two daily poops uh, and a similar number of pees. Your baby really wants to pee, or you need your baby to pee a lot. Four to six wet diapers a day is normal. So let's talk about the poop 411 now. Color of your baby's poop. The first poop that your baby has will be black, tarry, and sticky. That's meconium, and it's what coated their intestines while they're in the womb. And in the first couple of days after birth, while your milk's coming in, that's what they're going to be passing and clearing out of their intestines. Then there's a transitional poop, which is usually dark green, can be mixed with the next type of poop, especially as most of that meconium is going to be gone. Breastfed babies' stools are yellow, like mustard. They're loose, they may be seedy, and they smell kind of cheese-like. <laughs> so 
It's very normal, uh, mustardy, very loose, not watery. Like we said, uh, diarrhea would just be a watery ring. So there, it is solid poop in there, but it's, uh, it's a loose solid. It's not watery and it's not formed either. Like if you go to the bathroom, your bowel movement is formed. Baby's, breastfed baby's bowel movement is not formed. A formula-fed baby's stools are green or brown or a, a mixture of both. They look more formed and they also tend to smell very strongly. So for a breastfed baby, yellow, normal color. Formula-fed baby, brown or green, normal colors. Size of baby poop. A quarter size poop is considered a bowel movement for a breastfed baby. Formula-fed baby is more formed, maybe a little bit bigger. But if you even see the size of a quarter, and I'm talking about American quarter, I apologize to my international listeners, but you probably have currency that's about the equivalent size. But the, the size of an American quarter is considered a bowel movement. So when you think about a bowel movement, you're probably thinking about a large bowel movement, but really a quarter is not that large. And that was one important thing for me to learn and help me stop worrying as a new mother, because yes, that counts. And remember, a formula-fed baby will have larger, more formed stools than a breastfed baby and also less frequent. Again, diarrhea is a watery, unformed stool. So if you just see a water ring on the diaper, that's diarrhea. And I would recommend, especially in the newborn period, that you call your doctor right away if you see this. Okay, the next topic. I couldn't think of a delicate way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. Some parents wonder about, my baby seems to have a lot of wet farts. This is pretty common for breastfed babies, and it usually stops once your baby gets a few months old. Now, this could be a sign of a food allergy, but in general, baby's little sphincter is just a little bit immature, and so that may sneak out, and you may notice just a little poopish streak on the diaper. And that's very normal. It's different than a full bowel movement, which remember is that quarter-sized or bigger. And by the way, when I say that a, a breastfed baby bowel movement is a quarter size, there can be a lot more. There can be huge diaper blowouts from formula-fed or breastfed babies. So a quarter size is normal and so is more. But a wet fart will usually just look like a streak on the diaper. And this is very normal and usually baby stops doing it. Um, within several weeks, I guess because that little sphincter just matures some. What are your diaper options as you're a new parent trying to decide what kind of diaper am I going to have for my baby? Well, your options are disposable diaper or cloth diapers. There are many brands of disposables and different parents are fans of different brands. Pampers, Huggies, Loves are big brands in the United States. And both Pampers and Huggies have newborn diapers. I'm not sure if any other brands do. I think you can get store brand newborn diapers too. I don't buy too terribly many disposable diapers. But yes, um, disposables, you, you pick the brand. Some brands are supposed to generally work better with boys and girls. For instance, Pampers tend to be favored by mommies with little boys because some mommies have leaks with Huggies. I've used Huggies and never had leaks with Huggies with my boys. But you might want to, rather than just stocking up on one brand, if you're going to use disposables, you may want to have a couple of different brands. Most hospitals use Pampers, so your baby's probably going to be in Pampers from the get-go if you have a hospital birth. But you can get a couple different brands and figure out what you like for your diaper options. If you have want to cloth diaper your baby, you have a few different options. The first and most basic option is flats or pre-folds. Flats are just many layers of fabric that are folded together essentially any way you want. They, they can be an art form, but many moms, once they get the hang of flats, love, love them. Pre-folds are the thicker rectangles that you see that, that look kind of quilted. Many people use them as burp cloths for their babies. Those are pre-fold diapers. Both flats and pre-folds require a cover. You can have covers of different materials. PUL or PUL is polyurethane laminate. That's one very popular material for covers. It's very thin, very lightweight. It is synthetic, but it makes a good moisture barrier. Um, 
nylon, of course the traditional plastic pants, which really aren't used much anymore. And then wool covers are an option. And you can get wool covers that are either cut very trimly like a cover, or you can use what are called longies or shorties. And these are knit wool, and longies literally look like a little pair of pants on your baby. Shorties like a little pair of shorts. And those are lanolized and waterproof to be used as a diaper cover. You can sometimes just use a pre-fold, fold it up inside the cover, and then fasten the cover. They usually have Velcro or snap fasteners. Or you can fasten the diaper onto the baby. Of course, diaper pins are an option, and some parents still use pins. But there are other options out there. One brand name is called the Snappy, and it's a little rubber fastener that has a little almost looks like a little plastic comb on the underside and that little comb grips the diaper at three points on the diaper and holds it closed and there are other alternatives to snappies too so you don't have to use pins. Other cloth diaper options are the all-in-one diaper which works exactly like a disposable. You put it on baby, you pull it up between his or her legs and you fasten it either with velcro or with snaps or Aplex hook and loop closure, Velcro and Aplex being brand names for the hook and loop closure. So an all-in-one diaper just works exactly like uh, like a disposable. And I'm not going to get too much into the advantages and disadvantages of each diaper, but many moms love these, and many daddies love these because they're very simple daycares, grandmamas and granddaddies like them. The disadvantages is they tend to take a very long time to dry in the dryer or on the line because everything is all there. An all-in-two diaper is a hybrid on the all-in-one. In this diaper, you have the cover, and then you have a liner inside, which usually snaps in. And so when it's snapped, it's very similar to an all-in-one diaper, but the in the washing machine, that liner can flap out. You can either take it off, but many of them can be washed with it still on the diaper. They flap out to really, <coughs> excuse me, agitate very well in the washing machine and then in the dryer it's not all one piece so it dries much more quickly or on the line it tends to dry much more quickly. An all-in-two also has the advantage that if baby only pees you can snap the liner out and snap a new liner in and use the same cover which is good if you have a smaller diaper stash. The other type of diaper is pocket diapers. Um, and a pocket diaper is similar to an all-in-one and an all-in-two in that it has the cover and then it has a liner. But there's actually a pocket in the diaper and you stuff the liner into there. So usually it's a fleece up against your baby's skin and then a pull, again that polyurethane laminate, and then you stuff the pocket in between those two layers. These diapers are again very nice for daycares, or if daddy, if you're a little bit hesitant about cloth diapers, because as long as they're pre-stuffed, they work just like an all-in-one. So if when you take them out of the dryer, you just go ahead and stuff them and fold them up. When it's time to put them on baby, you just fasten them with the snaps or with the hook and loop closure onto baby, and then you're good to go. There are a lot of different options. I recommend you research the options that are good for you. There are some I didn't cover, like fitted diapers, and things. There are so many different options. One great place to learn about diapers is diaperswappers.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. That's a forum that's really very supportive and has lots of good information and you can also buy gently used diapers there. I'm a fan of that forum so I'll link to that. I'll also link to some of my own articles that I've written about diapers. So those are some of your diaper options as a new parent. What about baby wipes? For baby wipes, you can use disposable wipes, which you can buy at any store. Again, pick the brand that you like the best. You can get non-scented and scented options. You could use cloth wipes, which is what we use. And those can be anything from wipes that you've made or that another mom's made. I had a, a work-at-home mom made mine. Or you can use little baby washcloths or even regular washcloths. That's fine. Or you can use just cotton squares like you can buy at the drugstore. Just use cotton squares and water. So any of those three options, whatever works best for you and your family. Some parents like using cloth at home and then use the uh, disposables when they're out. Whatever works for you is a good option for your baby. 
What about elimination communication? You heard me mention this earlier. So you can use elimination communication, which is essentially helping your baby gently potty into a container or receptacle. That could be the toilet, that could be a bowl, that could be a sink that you wipe down after. That could be the tub, that could be outside. You help your body baby potty somewhere outside of his or her diaper. That doesn't mean you just let baby go anywhere and everywhere. It means your baby is built and born with cues for elimination and an aversion to going in his or her diaper. And this is essentially just recognizing and respecting those cues. You can do it full time, meaning baby's diaper free all the time. Many of us parents like to do it part time using diapers and training pants and things as a tool. I interviewed Andrea Olson, who wrote the fantastic book, EC Simplified, in the Birth, Baby, and Life episode 3 of the podcast. So if you want to learn more about elimination communication, I highly recommend that you listen to that podcast and check out her book. And you can get to that podcast at birthbabylife.com slash 003. That's the numerals, 003 birthbabylife.com slash 003. What do you do if your baby has a diaper rash? Good strategies for preventing a rash in the first place and handling a rash if it occurs is to change your baby frequently. And you can also give your baby some diaper-free time on a waterproof mat or on a thick towel. This helps keep your baby's bottom dry and aired out to heal. There are also different barrier options for barrier creams that you can put on your baby to help prevent a rash or to help protect and heal a rash. One that's been used for a long time is just Vaseline or petroleum jelly. And then you can, there are many, 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 perhaps more peeling and natural, naturally made diaper creams that you can use. My favorite um, brand personally is the Walita Creams. And they make a baby cream, which is just a barrier cream. And they also have a diaper cream, which has zinc oxide to help heal your baby's bottom. And then there are many, many, many other brands on the market. So you can use one of these creams for your baby. If your baby has a rash that gets really bad, so you're seeing open sores, it's weepy, it doesn't seem to be healing, call your baby's doctor because that's very uncomfortable for baby. It's disturbing for you and you may want to get help. Uh, sometimes if you're breastfeeding your baby, a, a yeasty rash, that's thrush, and you want to take care of that because that can cause pain and interrupt your nursing relationship. So call your doctor if your baby has a persistent rash or a rash that's particularly severe. Let's talk about another baby basic, bathing your baby. Where can you bathe your baby at? You could give your baby a sponge bath. You can have your baby in a little baby tub, and there are many different variations of baby tubs now. It's amazing how many have exploded onto the market. There's the traditional baby tub that you probably think about. There's baby tubs that look like a little bucket where you put your baby in. There's baby tubs that are soft foam pads that fit into your sink. So whatever kind of baby tub you want, you can probably find it. Or you can bring your baby into the tub with you. How often should you bathe your baby? The generally recommended advice is every other day or so you should bathe your baby. I don't bathe my newborns this often. I do sponge bathe their creases and diaper areas where milk, any area where milk tends to collect or the diaper area. But you bathe your baby as often as you want to. It's really a personal thing. Now, do I really need all this stuff? So baby soaps, lotions, and things like that are on the market. You don't necessarily need a soap unless you want to use one, but warm water will clean your baby just fine. Baby washcloths, te they're teeny tiny thin little washcloths. Some mamas love them, some parents love them. I've never found much use for them. I've found a regular soft washcloth to be better. Baby towels. Some parents don't like them. I do like them. The little hooded towel and the thinner material I think makes it easier to get baby dry and I like the hood over baby's head. And a baby bathtub, if you want one you can have one. You don't really need one. Uh, a variation of the baby bathtub you may want to have if you take baby in the bath with you is they make a little bath seat that sits down in your tub 
and it's a little cloth sling and a, a tubular metal frame and that just holds baby up baby is cradled in that while in the tub with you or while in the tub on his or her own if you want to kneel outside the big tub so essentially that's all to say you don't really need all of that stuff but if you want it you can have it let's run through a I'm going to try and make it quick for you because our podcast is already getting long but let's run through a quick overview of a sponge bath First, you want to gather your supplies, the baby towel, washcloths, get some cotton or wipes for cleaning the diaper area uh, in case baby has a bowel movement during the bath. Not unheard of. Soap, if you're going to use it, get a fresh diaper and a change of clothing ready. And then for a sponge bath, you want a soft padded surface. So this can be an adult bath towel or a blanket folded up on the counter. And that's just a place for you to put baby while you're giving him or her the bath. Wash your hands first. Then put your baby on the padded surface. Cover that surface with the baby's towel first. And then put baby directly on the towel. And undress your baby to the diaper. Wrap your baby up in the towel so that he or she is cozy in the baby towel. And then what you're going to do first is wash your baby's hair or your baby's head if he or she doesn't have much hair. You can rub firmly but gently on your baby's head. So you may be nervous because of your baby's soft spots, but you can use firm but gentle touch on your baby's head. And to do this, you may want to hold your baby carefully supported in your arm with your baby's head over the sink. So ideally, you have your sponge bath station set up right next to the sink, and you just hold baby in the crook of your arm with your hand behind his or her neck being supportive over the sink and just... Um, you can rub a little bit of soap on baby's head if you're going to use some soap. This would be the one part of the body that I would maybe choose to use soap to help clear out some of the excess oils. And then rinse gently. Remember, firm but gentle touch is fine. And then you want to dry your baby's head off immediately after you're done rinsing. And put the hood of the towel up if you're using a hooded towel. Maybe put on a little hat if you're not. Next, you'll put baby back on the towel and on your padded surface and go on to his or her face. Use a clean washcloth for the face with just warm water, no soap. First, wipe from the corner of one eye. This is the inside corner by the nose. Wipe from the corner of that eye to the outside. And then use a fresh section of the washcloth to wipe from the corner of the other eye out. And... The reason why you want to do this is because babies can get gunk in their eyes and you don't want to introduce that to any other part of the body. So you want to make sure you used a fresh washcloth and fresh sections of that washcloth for each eye. Then you can wash the face. Pay attention to the creases that your baby has around his or her nose and mouth because milk tends to collect there. And then you want to gently dry your baby's face. Then get a fresh washcloth. Uh, next will be your baby's neck. Use a fresh washcloth. You can use a small amount of soap here if you want to use soap. Or you can continue using just warm water. Wash the folds of your baby's neck. Wash behind the ears. Milk tends to really gather in both of these places. You may have heard the admonition, wash behind your ears, and never really understood that. Well, once you have a new baby, you will understand how much stuff can get behind the ears because milk and stuff will collect back there. After you've done washing those neck creases and behind the ears, dry that area. Essentially, you want to dry as soon as you've washed anything. If you did use soap, then use a second washcloth with just warm water to come behind and rinse the soap away from those areas before you dry. Next, move on to your baby's body. Just wash baby's body, the chest, the arms, the hands, the back. Wash gently around the umbilical cord stump or the belly button. Wash carefully in the creases under your baby's arm. This is another place that milk and other grunge will build up. And it'll that skin is really sensitive and will get irritated and red. So make sure you wash under there. Again, if you used soap, then use a fresh washcloth with just warm water to go behind and rinse. And then pat dry all those areas that you just washed. Next, you're going to move to the diaper area and the legs. You want to wash the diaper area carefully. 
You can use soap or again just use warm water. So at this point you'll take the diaper off your baby and you'll wash that area. Pay careful attention to the labia creases on your baby girl or under the scrotum on your baby boy. These are both areas where stuff will build up. Diaper creams and, and milk and sweat and other things will build up. Wash your baby girl from front to back. And you can gently dab a cloth with warm water if the inner folds of her labia need cleaning. But don't rub hard because that could be painful for her. So just gentle dabs will pull up anything that's in those inner labia folds. After you've finished the diaper area, wipe down baby's legs. Remember to use your rinsing cloth to wipe any areas where you used soap. Then dry your baby off and you may want a diaper right away <laughs> because otherwise you might get a surprise. Once your baby's diapered, you can go ahead and dress your baby. And, uh, and then you probably want to brush your baby's hair. Or, even if your baby doesn't have any hair, brush your baby's scalp. This helps stimulate the scalp and can help prevent cradle cap. And remember, just like with washing your baby's hair, you can brush gently but firmly, or firmly but gently if you'd rather put it that way, because the soft spots are there, but it's okay to use firm, gentle pressure to help really distribute those oils and keep the scalp healthy. If you want to give baby a full bath, it's a pretty similar order to that, except for your baby will be fully undressed, there won't be a diaper, and will be partially immersed in the water. When can you give a full bath? After the cord stump has fallen off is what most doctors recommend. If you happen to have circumcised your baby boy, after that circumcision is healed is usually what is recommended. I mentioned cradle cap a moment ago. What is cradle cap? That's when dead skin and excessive oils mix up into scales on your baby's head. They kind of look like waxy yellow uh, coating on your baby's head. In order to treat cradle cap, you can call your doctor and ask his or her recommendation, but usually you can treat it at home pretty safely. You can rub your baby's head with a little bit of olive oil or coconut oil, making sure that you've rubbed that into the scales. Again, gentle but firm pressure is okay. Then put a cap on your baby. Use one that you don't mind getting oil stained or throwing away. Let that oil soak in for 10 or 20 minutes. And then take a comb and just gently comb those scales away. Then wash your baby's hair with a gentle soap. This helps clear the scales away. Sometimes you'll see a little bit, uh, a few droplets of blood when you do this. If it irritates the comb teeth, irritate your baby's scalp. That's okay, but again, if you're worried, call your baby's doctor. And regularly brushing your baby's hair can help prevent cradle cap from happening again. So regular combing and brushing is very important. But again, cradle cap is pretty normal for babies and relatively easy to deal with. Taking care of baby's nails is also pretty straightforward. You can use baby scissors or you can use baby clippers. I'm a fan of clippers rather than scissors, but some parents find scissors easier to use. The best time to clip your baby's nails is when he or she is asleep. You can do it when they're awake, but if they seem to be getting fussy, wait till your baby's asleep. Use your finger to depress the finger pad of baby's finger down and away from his or her nail. Then just clip or snip the nail in a few small snips. It's that easy, that simple. Every, every parent has messed up sometimes and maybe cut a little bit too close and there's a little bit of blood, um, but... Really, you'll get the hang of it real quick. If you don't feel comfortable with it, they make little baby mitts or mini gowns or newborn outfits have little mitts. But, uh, but try and get used to clipping their nails pretty quickly. The newborn period is a nice time to practice because they sleep so often. And you'll soon feel confident with it. If baby has dry skin... That's very normal for a newborn because they've been in the womb for nine months and then all of a sudden they're out. Usually they, you'll notice flaky skin on their, uh, around their feet and their ankles and then on their hands are the most common places, but it can be normal anywhere. And you can use a gentle baby lotion there. Again, my preferred brand is Walita. Other nice natural brands are Earth Mama, Angel Baby, but um, or you can get any brand. But, 
but a nice lotion on those flaky areas can be good and you can use it on the body too. Just avoid your baby's face and don't use a lotion on the diaper area. If you want to use a, a baby cream or a diaper cream on the diaper area, that's fine, but no lotion there. And the final section of today's podcast is going to be on baby sleep. So what is normal for baby sleep? Your newborn's going to sleep a lot, usually 16 to 17 hours out of every day. But that won't be anywhere near one long stretch. Baby will normally sleep for a two to four hour stretch at a time during their first six weeks or so of life. At, at six to eight weeks of age, your baby will usually start sleeping for shorter periods during the day and longer periods during the night. But at this point, most babies still wake up for feeds at night, so that's normal. Somewhere between four and six months, most babies can go for an eight to 12 hour stretch at night. Breastfed babies, it's very usual if they don't want to go through this. Um, and, and at that point, it's up to you. It becomes a choice for you and your family, for you, mom and dad, to discuss and make a choice for your family with your breastfed baby if you want to worry about getting them to sleep for that long of a stretch or not. But in the newborn period, when you've got this new baby for the new year, your baby is probably going to sleep for two to four hour stretches at a time around the clock, logging about 16 to 17 hours of sleep. So that's very normal. You can begin to create a rhythm to your day. Usually the first two to three weeks with your baby are going to be pretty crazy. But you can start to introduce a nice daily routine and rhythm as soon as you feel up to it. And I would recommend that you do it. Generally, a routine centers around eating and sleeping times. And that means for the whole family. So when I say eating times, that includes your meal times and what your normal schedule is. So if you want your baby to nap at a certain time, you're going to want to start to associate those that time with a nap time routine. And get baby used to the times that you eat your meals. So maybe your baby nurses or you want to gently introduce your baby to sitting in a baby seat, a bouncy seat or something while you eat your meal. And you will just create little routines and regularity around these events of the day is how you gently introduce rhythm to a baby. Creating a sleep routine is also very important. I mentioned that routines are important, so creating a sleep routine is something that's important. Children thrive on routine. It's just, it creates essentially a blanket of security to hold them. And little ones and even older children really thrive on a nice routine. So you can start a sleep routine as soon as you feel up to it. A simple routine is good. I would recommend that you start the routine with a feeding and end with other other ideas for the routine. I'll, I'll elaborate in a minute. But starting with this, the feed first helps your baby get used to the fact that you may be going to put him or her down in the bassinet or crib or, uh, or nearby you in Moses' basket, whatever you're going to put your baby in. But gets baby used to the fact that you're going to put him or her in there awake. Drowsy but awake. And that helps your baby learn to just close his or her eyes and fall asleep. Even if baby is not at the breast or bottle. So do a feeding first. Then a, a simple routine could include do the feeding, do a burp and a change. And then maybe you swaddle baby and put baby into the bassinet next to you. As your baby gets older... Or a nighttime routine may be more complicated than a naptime routine where you have a bath or a story in that routine. And those can be things that help signify to baby. I have a feed, then I get a bath, then I get dressed nicely. Or you may do the bath first, then a feed, then a change and all this other stuff. It's up to you. You mom and dad decide what you want to do for your baby. But create a gentle routine. I have a free report that covers creating a routine, which is it's from Chris Townsland, the author of The Baby Sleep Solution, who courteously made this available. But it goes into a lot more detail on this. And if you want to read that, you can just download that by going to birthbabylife.com slash sleep routine. And I'll put that in the show notes too. And that kind of elaborates upon what I just gave a very brief um, description of. N with nighttime nursing, 
that's very normal. Nursing at night is very normal for your baby, like we mentioned. You can expect your baby to nurse every four hours or so and maybe more often. We're talking about in the newborn period right now. If your baby as a newborn is sleeping longer than five-hour stretches, you should wake your baby up. You don't want to let your baby go that long, and some babies are very sleepy newborns, and you'll need to wake them up. Don't let them sleep that long. Sleeping positions. It is recommended that you put your baby to sleep on his or her back. And I would do this anytime you're going to put baby down for a nap alone. So if you're putting baby in the Moses basket and the bassinet in the crib for a napper at night, then put your baby on his or her back. If your baby is going to be in bed with you, then your baby can snooze on his or her side just facing you. And that's safe. Your baby is essentially like a little heat-seeking missile. And your baby will move towards your body and want to be close to your breasts. And in general, that's very safe. If you are awake and holding your baby, it is safe for your baby to be asleep on his or her belly against your chest. So if daddy, you're holding baby and you and baby are chest to chest, or mommy, if you're holding baby chest to chest, and you're awake, that's a safe way for baby to sleep. I mentioned having baby in bed with you, so let's go over safe, safe sleep sharing. Co-sleeping is very natural. Researchers have found it very safe, very healthy for babies. I'll link in the show notes to Dr. James McKenna's website where you can read, he's with Duke University, about uh, his sleep study clinic and what he's found and the safety that is implicit therein for most parents and their babies. You should not co-sleep with your baby. Have baby in the family bed. If you've been drinking uh, alcoholic beverages or using any substance that impairs your natural awareness, this could be um, any. This could even be prescription drugs that you've been given that alter consciousness. So if it tells you don't use it while driving, then it's probably not something you should take while you have your baby in bed with you. Pull your covers up only to baby's body. If your shoulders are cold, use a separate blanket to cover up your shoulders so that baby's baby's chest level and up is clear of blankets. You can use a guardrail or put your mattress flush up against the wall to help make sure that baby doesn't roll off the bed. Again, babies are like heat-seeking missiles. They won't usually roll off, but this is an added precaution that's a good idea. If you're worried, um, daddies sometimes aren't quite as sensitive to babies. If you're worried about this, usually in the newborn period with an older baby, it doesn't tend to be as much of an issue. But if you're nervous, then you can put the newborn only on mama's side rather than in between mommy or daddy. But daddies generally very quickly become very baby aware. If you're severely sleep deprived, then put your baby in a co-sleeper beside your bed or have somebody else care for your baby while you sleep. Because if you're severely sleep deprived to the point where you may fall into an exhausted sleep, then your instincts and awareness of your baby may not be as high. So get some help with baby. Have uh, daddy, you hold baby while mommy takes a nice nap. Or put your baby in a co-sleeper, which is your baby's own little bassinet attached to the bed. But he or she is in his or her own safe little place right there with you so you can sleep while baby is there close by. Don't put your baby in a water bed or on very soft fluffy bedding. Don't overdress your baby if he or she is sleeping with you. So one thin layer more than what you have on should keep your baby plenty cozy. You don't want your baby to overheat. And one other good suggestion is avoid strong smells while co-sleeping. So you don't want heavy perfumes, no massage oils with, with heavy scents right now, mom and dad. Because you have, mom, you have natural odors and there's hormonal things and all kinds of stuff going on very naturally uh, with breastfeeding that your baby senses and picks up on. And any strong smells could mask that. So move strong smells, strongly scented candles and things like that out of the bedroom for now while you're co-sleeping. And that is going to cover everything that I wanted to cover about having a new baby in the new year. And I know we've gone pretty long on this episode, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I really appreciate you listening. I love your feedback. Continue to email me feedback. You can go to birthbabylife.com and you'll see the contact button there at the top of the page. 
uh, or you can go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com and contact me. Please leave your feedback on iTunes. Let, let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd love to know if you liked it. I'd love any suggestions for improving it. Just let me know your thoughts because I value you. Once again, Happy New Year. Have a great year this year. Enjoy your new baby. Enjoy your pregnancy. Let me know how I can help you and many, many blessings for you and your family. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.